What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. I'm your host, Mike Milner, and I am here doing a solo episode. I figured I had to cover this topic because I get asked about it so much that it was time to break it down. We're talking nutrition for your neurotype. It's something that I'm excited about because I actually just finished up a guide talking about this exact topic. It's going to break down nutrition for each neurological profile, and that should be out in another month. But I didn't want to make you guys wait, so I had to record a podcast on it. And so we're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Help the show grow. We are doing so well right now, and I greatly appreciate it. And if you can also do me a favor, if you enjoy the content that I'm putting out, just screenshot this episode, tag me on Instagram, put it in your story, at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. I greatly appreciate that. And this episode is brought to you by The Muscle Feed. Head over to at The Muscle Feed on Instagram. Check out some free workouts on there. Visit themusclefeed.com. That is going to be your go-to resource for daily programming. It is incredible training programming, so definitely get on there. Uh, monthly programming, daily workouts, access to coaches, a ton of information, and an amazing community. And again, that's at The Muscle Feed on Instagram. So let's get into the episode talking about nutrition for your neurotype. All right, so I wanted to talk about a topic that I get questions about more frequently than probably anything else, really. And it's something that I kind of shy away from for the simple fact that when we talk about nutrition, we really have to master the fundamentals first. And so people ask me all the time about nutrition for your neurotype, and I think it's awesome that there's so much interest, but... It's almost like the supplement conversation. Um, you know, people ask a lot about supplements as well, and it's like let's hammer the big rocks first before we start having the supplement talk. So the same thing applies when we're talking about nutrition for your neurotype. Uh, if we can't, you know, hit the basics, if we can't be consistent, if we aren't, you know, getting in enough protein, if we're not sticking with mostly quality foods. Um, understanding what works best for the context of your life and having that balance and, you know, keeping things in place that are meaningful for you, whether that's, you know, date nights or, you know, pizza Saturday or Sunday brunch. Like we all have our different things that are important in our lives and we have to keep that stuff in the mix um, before we go and like overhaul everything. Because the more that you change at once, the more difficult it is to sustain to sustain. And I always talk about this, but the two most important things are adherence and sustainability. And so if we're going to say, here is the optimal nutrition protocol for your neurotype, and that's great. But if it means overhauling everything in your life to stick with it, it's, it's going to be a short-term thing. And we know that, um, you know, short-term programs yield short-term results. Now, there is a time and a place to be more intentional. And that's why I'm going to break this down with the understanding that regardless of what I discuss when it comes to nutrition for your neurotype, um, if it's something that feels unsustainable, it's probably not worth doing. If it's something where you can work with a coach and you can go through that particular protocol and understand that it's kind of like a short-term sprint, so to speak, like we're going to optimize over these next eight to 12 weeks or whatever the time frame may be. And then we're going to be very intentional, uh, intentional about how we transition out of that. That's totally fine. I mean, that's kind of like if you have an event or a photo shoot or something that you're prepping for and you know, like 
I have to be laser focused. I have to be totally dialed in because I have this end goal in mind and I'm going to do everything I can to hit it. And then, uh, you know, the, the issue with that is the same. It's like, how do we come out of that? Because the transition period after that event is almost more important than the actual prep getting to that point. And, and it's the same thing when we're talking about uh, nutrition protocols for each neurotype. If this is something that feels natural for you, that's awesome because you know it will really optimize things from a neurological standpoint, neurotransmitter standpoint, hormonal balance. So there are a lot of benefits, which is why I'm going to break this down. But I just wanted to set the framework and understanding that we all have different lives. So yes, from a neurotransmitter standpoint, this may be great when I talk about the protocol for your neurotype. Uh, But if it means the context of your life, it means overhauling everything just to adhere to it, um, it's not going to be sustainable long-term. And so I feel like just to um, do a little recap um, of the actual neurotypes and what I'm talking about here, if you are new to neurotyping in general, uh, I'm going to run through kind of the basics really quickly, but there are some amazing resources that you can check out. I did another podcast on personality profiling. I've been featured on a number of different podcasts that you can listen to. Um, Also, you can check out my website, Peak Optimization Performance, or uh, you can go and check out Christian Thibodeau's website, which is Tib Army, and um, read all about personality profiling and the neurotyping system. But basically, we're talking about personality traits and how that relates to your neurotransmitter balance. So by looking at certain personality traits, we gain insight into uh, you know neurotransmitter balance and dominance and sensitivity. Um, so an example would be um, there's five neurotypes or personality profiles. You know if you look at dopamine as a neurotransmitter, people who have low levels of dopamine they have certain personality traits that are common. So they would be more inclined to take risks. They would be more extroverted. They would be more thrill-seeking. They would be uh, more of like the leaders of a group. So when we talk about the profiles, we have our type 1s, which we have type 1A and type 1B. They are dopamine dominant, meaning they have low levels of dopamine at rest, but they're highly sensitive to any increase in dopamine. So all of those characteristics that I just said would apply to a type one. So the type one A's, um, you know, they are very competitive. They are very outgoing. They don't care what other people think. They are who they are. They have a hard time with authority. Um, They love to, you know, any competitive situation. They love to argue. They love to win. Um, So the type one B, very similar to the type one A. However, they have high levels of acetylcholine as well. So they're going to be more of like your multitaskers. Um, you know, So dopamine, for those who don't know, is basically kind of like the reward neurotransmitter or pleasure center. Um, and then acetylcholine is responsible for uh, multitasking, motor learning, memory. So the type 1Bs are going to be more naturally athletic. They learn very quickly. They're very explosive. Um, and then they also have some of the qualities of a type 1A in that they're also extroverted. Um, they're competitive, but not as competitive as a 1A. Um, they can also be a leader, but they're more of like the lead by example type where the type 1A is more of like a vocal leader. I'm going to take command of this room. Um, then as you move into the type 2A, type 2As are adrenaline dominant. So they have low levels of adrenaline at rest, but they are potentiated by any increase in adrenaline. So what that looks like is when they are just kind of hanging out, chilling, no adrenaline pumping, 
they're going to be very insecure. They're going to lack confidence um, because they have low levels of baseline adrenaline. So adrenaline is responsible for that perceived confidence for, you know, blood flow, getting um, good muscle contractions. So you're going to see the 2A kind of morph into this alpha version of themselves when adrenaline is present. Um, so it's you know kind of like a stress hormone. It's getting us ready to tackle uh, whatever is in front of us. Uh, so we have more alertness, more awareness. We have more confidence. We have you know bloods pumping through our bodies like we are ready to go. So for a type 2A, um, they're almost like chameleons in that they can adapt to any situation um, because of the fact that they have the sensitivity to adrenaline along with a well-balanced profile of every other neurotransmitter. So they can kind of adapt to any situation. Um, They're people pleasers. Uh, They love to get the approval and admiration of others. And they do that by reading people and kind of adapting their personality to fit um, whoever they're talking to. Uh, The type 2B, the main neurotransmitter that we look at is they have high levels of glutamate, which is our emotional amplifier. So type 2Bs naturally are very emotional. Um, they like to feel they, that, that, you know, the feel goes with everyday life and also in the, in the gym. So they like to feel their muscles working. Um, they like to feel sensations, feel their emotions. Uh, they are also people pleasers, but they're like very loyal in that one-on-one setting. So they're the type that would do anything for a person in a relationship or a mentor or a coach. Uh, so with a type two B, they have, they, fail to produce the enzyme that converts glutamate to GABA. And GABA is a neurotransmitter that calms us down. So, um, you know, naturally type 2Bs are a little bit more anxious. Um, And again, I'm not going to go super in-depth because this is something that I talk about all the time. And there's, like I said, some incredible resources that you can really dive into all of the profiles and and neurotransmitters. And I'm actually writing a full guide on neurotyping um, and in particular nutrition for your neurotype. So um, that should be out in about a month. So like mid-April. The type threes are serotonin dominant. They have low levels of serotonin. Serotonin is also a neurotransmitter that calms us down. It's that feel-good sense of well-being neurotransmitter. And so um, when we talk about type threes, they are highly anxious. They are a little bit more stressed. They are your planners, organizers. They are more like internal thinkers. So they like to have that internal dialogue going. They like to plan things out really far in advance. Um, So when we're looking at nutrition protocols for each type, we have to understand that food choices and lifestyle factors will impact neurotransmitter balance. And that's the most important thing, along with training. So we're kind of looking at this all as an interconnected um, type of protocol. But particularly with nutrition, uh, we know, let's say for a type 1A, right, they have low levels of dopamine. So what do we need to do? We need to protect their dopamine levels. The worst thing that can happen for a type 1A is that dopamine gets depleted. Uh, If that does happen, they are going to have no motivation. They're going to feel like shit. They're going to just have that like hangover feeling, um, not feel like themselves. And the type 1As are like very prone to kind of like addictive behaviors. Um, They tend to burn the candle at both ends uh, because they're like super competitive, go, go, go. Um, You know, they want to win at, at all costs. So uh, we won't definitely want to protect their dopamine levels, and there's ways that we can do that with training. Um, and what we'll talk about today is with nutrition. So uh, right off the bat, animal protein, that's going to help the production of dopamine. So type 1A, they definitely need a high protein level. So 
when you're setting macros for a type 1A, definitely start with you know, the higher range of protein. Now, when I give like general nutrition guidelines, I usually say that 0.7 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is a good place to start with protein. If you have a type 1A, um, generally, I will go higher than that. And that's simply because the type 1A really needs uh, support with dopamine production, especially if you consider their lifestyle. So if they are somebody who is, um, you know, working a stressful job and they're constantly on their phones and they're not getting a lot of sleep, um, those are going to be things that are going to impact dopamine production. We want to support that with nutrition and obviously talk to them about lifestyle as well. But, you know, it's important to kind of begin with the low hanging fruit, which is high protein is going to support dopamine production. The other characteristic of a type 1A that we have to consider is that they have high levels of serotonin. And so if you so their ability to recover is very high. They can handle a lot of stress. They're very resilient. Uh, and that's you know plays to the advantage of a type 1A in that they don't need a high amount of carbohydrates. So carbs will help in serotonin production. And because the type 1As already have a naturally high level of serotonin, uh, we don't need to put them on a super high-carb plant. Now, if you're talking about a type 1A who has a goal of fat loss, a low-carb plant is going to work great for a type 1A. Again, they're not going to need uh, much help with, a, uh, with producing serotonin. They already recover well. They can handle a good amount of stress. So um, the one thing that you want to be careful with is just um, – you know, they are, like I said, the burn the candle at both ends type of person. So we don't want to burn them out. So a way to handle that is get them, you know, frequent refeeds. So, you know, adding in like a refeed meal or a refeed day um, at least once a week. And then maintenance weeks are super effective. So with a type 1A, they because they're so competitive, they need to see results. So if we're setting up a fat loss plan, it's better to be super aggressive and they can handle it because of their neurotransmitter balance. So we want to be super aggressive right off the bat, get them some results, that buy-in factor, uh, because they they do have a hard time with authority. So if like they're not seeing results, they're going to be like, why am I listening to this person? I'm just going to do this on my own. Um, and so we want to be more aggressive, and we can pull carbs down fairly low and stay on the high end of protein. Um, you know, you could even go two grams per pound of body weight with protein. Um, that's going to help them with dopamine production. And it's also going to help with just the satiety factor. Um, protein is super filling. So that's an effective strategy. And then what I like to do is either set in a like a big refeed meal um, and then making sure that we're emphasizing food quality because the type 1As will gravitate towards shittier food choices just by their nature. So we want to address that up front and make sure that on the refeed meal or the refeed day um, that we're still focusing on food quality Obviously, we want to have balance, but for the most part, just you know, planting that seed, that quality still is important. And then we can also go with like a three weeks of an aggressive deficit and one week at maintenance, just to make sure that we're protecting neurotransmitter balance, you know, hormones, um, that sort of thing. And that's a really effective strategy. So if I were setting up a type one A for a fat loss um, phase, I would be very aggressive, almost like a you know, 30 to 35% cut. And we're going to go very high on protein. You know, you could do like 50% of calories from protein, um, pretty low on carbs, and then fill in the rest with fats and 
Um, you know, set in your refeed days, set or meals, however you want to structure that, but at least once per week. And then I like to alternate like a three weeks on one week at maintenance type of protocol. Uh, when we're talking about the type 1B, there's going to be a lot of similarities because they're also dopamine dominant. However, the high levels of acetylcholine help them in their resiliency, so they can also handle a good lo- a good amount of stress. Uh, they also have high levels of GABA, so there's going to be certain differences, um, but a lot of similarities. One of the things that I like to do is we're also going to start with the high protein for a type 1B. We definitely want to support dopamine. Again, the worst thing that you can do for a dopamine-dominant individual is set them up where that's going to get depleted. Um, You will know if you're dealing with a dopamine issue if they lack motivation. So hopefully as coaches, if, you know, coaches are listening and you do your check-ins with your clients, if somebody, and you're checking biofeedback, and I hope that all of you are, if a client is reporting um, you know, issues with their mood uh, and their motivation to train, like something that they normally enjoy doing that just doesn't have that same pleasure for them. That is a good sign that it, it's a dopamine issue. could also be serotonin, but a lot of the times it's dopamine. Um, and a good test for that is if they're not motivated to do, to do something they enjoy, but then when they do it, they're glad that they did. That's a dopamine issue. If they are not motivated and then they do it, and they still didn't enjoy it, that's a serotonin issue. Um, But we'll kind of get into um, some of those differences. However, with a type 1B, um, again, high protein, we want to protect that dopamine. They do have high levels of GABA, um, and we want to play to the fact that because they have high levels of acetylcholine, we want to keep their brain stimulated. And one of the ways to do that is through intermittent fasting, and that is something that works really well for a type 1B. Um, it's going to keep them focused. It's going to, um, you know, it's something that will play to their neurotransmitter balance. And so they also have that competitive drive and they also need to see results quickly. So you're almost setting up like the exact same protocol as a type 1A, but you're just condensing the feeding window. And same strategy with refeeds, same strategy with doing like a three-week on, one-week off. So a lot of the same principles apply. We're just dealing with a different um, primary inhibitory neurotransmitter. So basically you're dealing with serotonin versus GABA. So the type 1A is serotonin um, is their, you know, they have higher levels of serotonin. The type 1B has higher levels of GABA. Um, But you're dealing with kind of the same setup. So you want to... Keep the refeeds in every third day or so or at least once a week, and then you would do a maintenance week like every fourth week, so three weeks on an aggressive cut and one week at maintenance. And they also don't need a huge amount of carbs, although slightly more I would recommend than you would cut, you know, so you would keep the type 1B a little bit higher in carb, but not high carb, but just higher than you would set like a type 1A um, because Uh, you know, again, the type 1B, they have higher levels of GABA, which will help with protecting serotonin, but you can also get the advantage of, you know, carbs um, with the type 1B because that's going to help with serotonin more directly. Um, So the main difference is condensing the feeding window, um, slightly higher carb, but you definitely want to keep the high protein in place. um, And then, you know, from a workout strategy, um, the type 1Bs can go unfasted. 
Um, you know, there's really, as we kind of get into the specifics of like peri workout nutrition, um, you know, starting like a, a pre work, uh, intra workout drink with essential amino acids, highly branched cyclic dextrin, electrolytes, uh, you know, for a type one B just, you know, something like that could be started like halfway through their workout. Um, that's a pretty standard protocol. And then, you know, the main thing is that we're doing some intermittent fasting and we're making sure that we are protecting dopamine, that we're stimulating their brain through some intermittent fasting. And, um, you know, you can throw a good amount at a type one B. They are very resilient and they are, um, they're quick learners. So, you know, the one thing we have to be worried about with them is that they tend to overextend themselves. So they are the type of person that will take on a ton of different tasks at once. And so we just have to really be uh, familiar with the context of their life and make sure that they're not doing too much and, uh, you know, kind of overextending themselves where it would cause them to burn out. Even though they can handle a good amount of stress, we still have to be very conscious of that with type 1B. So as we move into the type 2 A's, they thrive on variety. And the interesting thing with the type 2 A is that they also need to support dopamine because uh, not in the direct sense that a type 1 would, but adrenaline is fabricated downstream from dopamine. So if we're supporting dopamine, we're kind of indirectly supporting adrenaline. Um, and that's super important. But really, we want to make sure that we are keeping their adrenal receptors sensitive. And so that means that stress management is super important. And we also want to play to their personality type, which is that need for variety. So with a type 2A, carb cycling works great. And I like to, you know, you can kind of take this in any direction that you want. Uh, but I think a super effective strategy for a type 2A is to do a, a carb cycling, you know, protocol where you have like a hypertrophy day um, that is going to be more demanding from, you know, the need for carbohydrates, and that's going to be your highest carb day. Then you have your strength workouts, which would be more moderate. And then you would have your rest day, which you can really go like no carb. And one of the things that's cool about that is the day where you're resting, and you're basically going like no carb or just carb from vegetables or that sort of thing. Um, you're going to help with that adrenaline production, um, but it's only going to be one day of the week. So you're not going to have to worry about desensitizing the adrenal receptors, uh, but it's just one day where uh, because of fasting, fast not fasting, but very low calories or no carbs um, is going to be a stress on the body, but it's a rest day. So if we always have to think about stress balance, so they're not getting the stress from training, but they are getting the stress from you know lower calories and lower carbs, and that is going to have an adrenaline response, um, type 2A is being sensitive to adrenaline, that's not a bad thing. Uh, one, of, one of the issues with a type 2A is that they hate to be out of the gym. Uh, so because of the fact that if you think about when they are at rest and adrenaline is low, they lose confidence, they're insecure. And so being out of the gym for too long without having that adrenaline increased, um, they can start to question themselves, get down on themselves. Um, this happens, I'm a type 2A, it happens to me all the time, like two rest days is the worst thing that I can do. Um, and so we kind of manage that by throwing in a very low carb day where they are going to get some of that adrenaline kick. Um, it's not going to kill their mood. And then we have the higher carb days to match their workout. 
So they still need adequate protein, not nearly as high as you would for a type one, because, um, you know, we're, we're talking about more of an indirect effect on adrenaline. Um, whereas the main thing is going to be, uh, the sensitivity to adrenaline. So we want to manage stress, you know, that's where you can kind of get into like some adaptogens and that sort of thing and making sure we're paying attention to, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the nutrition around your workout, and always thinking in stress balance when we're talking about A type 2A. Um, so hopefully you guys are following me still. Um, as we get into the type 2Bs, you know, this is something where we have to also look at managing stress because, again, type 2Bs are a little bit more anxious. Um, they are glutamate dominant in that they overproduce glutamate. Um, they don't make the conversion from glutamate to GABA very efficiently. So we do want to, you know, protect their. Um, you know, protect GABA, protect serotonin and, and help them manage stress and help manage that anxiety. And the way that we do that is by keeping, you know, adequate carbs. And we really want to focus on the uh, peri-workout window. So if you think of like a typical bodybuilder style, um, you know, it's going to be fairly balanced. Uh, it's going to be, you know, kind of evenly balanced meals, but we're going to place a lot of carbs around that peri-workout nutrition window, um, the peri-workout. So, you know, talking about pre-workout, talking about intra, and we're talking about post. And so we're going to get some carbs in before we train. We're going to have a intra-workout drink with some electrolytes, some amino acids, and some highly branched cyclic dextrin. And then we're going to have some carbs post-workout. Everything else is just going to be very well balanced. And then, you know, maybe getting in a good amount of carbs before bed because, you know, like two hours before bed, because if you think about carbs supporting serotonin, that's also going to help protect GABA. So they're kind of working, um, you know, kind of interchangeably to calm us down. And think about serotonin as like the brake pedal. So the brake pedal can kind of modulate based off of how fast we're going. And then GABA is like our parking brake where it's just going to be that hard stop. Um, GABA is important when it comes to our circadian rhythm is when we sleep. GABA kind of goes around and tells each neuron in our brain to chill out. Um, so if we stay on our, um, you know, if we keep our circadian rhythm intact and, um, you know, from a lifestyle standpoint, that's going to be very helpful for a type 2B. What that means is that wind down routine needs to be on point. So no blue lights, at least an hour before bed, uh, you know, doing some mindfulness, um, you know, maybe using some like essential oils or just like a candle, um, you know, basically calming your brain down before you get in bed. Um, you could use something like chamomile tea with valerian root. Um, you know, basically anything that's going to put you in that parasympathetic mode before bed. We want to keep that uh, circadian rhythm on point to help with GABA production. Um, super important. So I talk about a wind down routine a lot. When we're talking about a 2B, it's even more important. And Again, that's just based off of their neurotransmitter balance. And that's really the focus when we talk about a nutrition protocol, lifestyle factors, training. Like we want to make sure that we're protecting neurotransmitters, that we're protecting hormonal profile, that we're balancing stress. Um, a lot of the same principles apply to general nutrition, but we're just kind of getting a little bit more um, into the specifics for each personality profile. And then lastly, when we talk about a type 3, serotonin dominant. So they have low levels of serotonin. And hopefully by now, you know that carbs help increase serotonin. So 
Type threes do really well with a high carb plan. Now, that doesn't mean that you're overeating. It just means that a good portion of your calories come from carbohydrates if you're a type three. We can do that on a fat loss protocol. And actually, it's very effective for a type three. So a high carb, low fat, fat loss protocol uh, with a type three works really well. Now, what I like to do with them is be more intentional, intentional about meal timing because of the fact that type threes tend to overproduce cortisol. Now, if cortisol is chronically elevated, it can impact insulin sensitivity. So type threes often have this challenge of needing more carbs, but not handling carbs all that well. And so that's like our catch 22. How do we balance that? Well, we keep total carbs high for the day, but we spread them out across multiple meals. So we're looking at like six meals per day. Um, And then again, we can kind of play around with that peri-workout window where we know that they're going to be better utilized post-workout when our muscles are going to be more insulin sensitive. And so with a type three, the main focus is we don't want to have these like big spikes and drops in blood sugar. So we're going to keep carbs like pretty well balanced, high, you know, overall, and then break it down into like six meals and put a little bit more emphasis on that peri-workout window. Um, And so that's going to be super effective strategy for a type three. Um, You know, I don't want to get into supplementation protocols right now. That will be something that I include in the nutrition guide when that's released. Um, But again, I just want to put that out there because, um, you know, supplements, we're really talking about such a small percent. Um, If, you know, if you have the disposable income and it's something that you want to play around with, then by all means, go for it. It can certainly help. So with, with you know, type threes, again, we're talking about managing stress. So adaptogens are great, CBD oil, uh, making sure that, you know, any lifestyle practice that's going to help you balance that stress response. So meditation, journaling, massage, foam rolling, you know, any sort of like mobility, walking, um, even for a type three, some just steady state cardio can be uh, almost like a, um, a self-care practice for a type three. But, um, you know, the main thing that we look at when we're setting up a protocol is um, obviously for every neurotype, you have to be in a calorie deficit. There's no way around that. Uh, although, you know, it is a little bit more complicated than that because there's so many factors that impact calories in and calories out. But the bottom line is if your goal is fat loss, you have to be in a deficit. So as I mentioned, kind of these protocols, uh, we still have to follow like the order of importance. So, you know, calories being in a deficit is still number one. And then we look at setting your macros to kind of balance your neurotransmitters. And then we get into the specifics about, you know, meal timing, um, the meal, you know, kind of condensed window, like you would do intermittent fasting for type 1B, carb cycling for type 2A, um, you know, more of a high carb approach for type 3. That's where, um, you know, after we have those basics nailed down um, and we know that we're in a deficit, then we can start to look at some of the finer details that help fit each personality profile. All right. So I hope you guys followed along with me. If you do have any questions, please let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Shoot me a DM at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And stay tuned for the release of the Nutrition for Your Neurotype guidebook. I am going to – I mean it's actually done, but it is uh, being edited and it's being formatted and, you know, 
I uh, am pretty bad at any sort of like graphic design, so I need somebody else to take care of that. But um, they do an excellent job, so hopefully it'll be a nice, you know, uh, nice and pretty for everybody. And if you guys have any questions in the meantime before that comes out in mid-April, definitely hit me up, and I will talk to you guys next time.